This is Stealing Home. I'm David Temple. It's been a tradition of mine for a few years now. I go out and find this video on YouTube and post it on my Facebook page. The corresponding text is one sentence. Happy opening day. I'm not too much of a singer. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I ever get back. Well, we'll root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. One, two, three strikes you out at the old ball game. That is a clip from Ken Burns' documentary on baseball, featuring the late Buck O'Neill, a Negro League Hall of Famer and one of the finest ambassadors the sport has ever seen. This part of the documentary plays little snippets of all the featured commentators singing various parts of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. But for O'Neill, they present him singing the entire song. The others in this film, writers, historians, various other scholars, they have their own connection to the game, but none have one so rich and so complicated. O'Neill loved and excelled at a game that didn't always love him back. He knew what it was like to go from a sharecropper in Florida to a first baseman in Kansas City and all that was involved with it. There's both love and pain in his rendition. I think that's why Burns featured the whole song. And it's why I like to share it every opening day. I can think of no better man to help us ring in this joyous occasion. In fact, let's hear it one more time. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and crack. Jacks. I don't care if I ever get back. Well, we'll root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. One, two, three strikes you out at the old ball game. From the George Moriarty Memorial Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the Hardball Times, this is Stealing Home. I'm David Temple. Yes, it's here, everyone. A new season is once again upon us. To start, writer Michael Clare will share his thoughts on the beginning of the season. Then I'll talk to Larry DeVito. He gets excited about the new season, too, but for different reasons than most. Then a guest MVP of my heart from one of my favorite public radio personalities. It's all coming up on Stealing Home. Let's play ball. I've known writer Michael Clare for a while now. And one thing I've learned about him is that he's never for want of great ideas. Or at least ideas that he thinks are great. To wit, here's Mike with some capital B big ideas 
for how we can ramp up an already big event. Opening day is how a baseball fan marks the true beginning of spring. But when you step back, opening day doesn't seem like it should be all that important or special. There will be days upon days of baseball afterward, 161 more games to be played, no momentum or insight gleaned from an early April baseball game. Really, the day revels in mankind's inability to come to terms with the insignificance of minor moments and statistical noise. It's why we celebrate things like Tuffy Rhodes or Dimitri Young's three home run games on opening day, when otherwise it would simply be lost among all the other things happening on May 7th or August 12th or July 29th. And sometimes that's okay, as we've become smarter baseball fans, reading fan graphs and baseball prospectus and understanding that the playoffs are not won by the team with the greater moral fiber, but by the team with the most luck, we often fail to properly celebrate the wonderfully mundane. The David Ecksteins of the world now get lampooned for the NBC Olympics level of human interest stories they generate, but the fact remains, utility infielders born of grit and gumption and sticky tech are still wonderful to watch. The outfielder running for a ball, tripping, and stumbling awkwardly like a Walking Dead extra is just as entertaining as Mike Trout scaling an outfield wall to bring back a home run, if for somewhat different reasons. And that's what opening day is for. It's for us flawed human creatures to say screw all to work and responsibility, joining in with friends, family, and friendly strangers to give a pagan celebration to the true spring equinox. We have traded in the blooming of flowers for freshly cut grass, the sounds of songbirds for the drunken cheers of 35,000 strong, and the taste of honeymead for beer with all the taste and half the calories. Speaking of beer, this offseason, Ozzie Smith and Budweiser teamed up to turn opening day into a national holiday. Besides being an excellent marking opportunity for Budweiser, it was a way to bring our country together, ensuring that we didn't fall into a land of pinko kami soccer fans or something. Sadly, after the petition gathered over 100,000 signatures, the White House passed the John Buck, saying that it was up to Congress to decide on things like national holidays. Which is fine, it's not like I haven't been making opening day my own holiday for years anyway. Hell, I don't remember the last time I did anything resembling work on opening day. When I was in elementary school, I would fake sick, my parents taking pity on a child who would routinely fall asleep with a Street and Smith's guide atop my chest and keep fastidious notes while playing World Series baseball for Sega Genesis. And now, as an adult child, I spend the day the same way, playing a few video games in my underwear before beginning a non-stop tour of baseball-themed beers and cheesesteaks until my girlfriend finds me passed out that night, the Athletics or Mariners or Dodgers on the TV, Cheese Whiz forever staining our couch, a bottle of beer resting on my heaving stomach. For this, she will fall in love with me all over again. But if we want opening day to soon take on the mantle of the greatest holiday, superseding Christmas, Halloween, and National Pancake Day, we need to establish four simple ground rules. One, turn opening day into a non-stop festival. From the first pitch of Sunday night's kickoff game, there should be a new contest beginning every hour until the last one starts at 10 p.m. Eastern on Monday night. That's right. For over 24 hours, baseball will be non-stop, never ceasing. Those living in England, or France, or Australia will finally have games to watch during their afternoons and evenings, while Americans with insomnia or fourth-shift jobs will have real, live baseball to keep them company. And for those lucky few who manage to ingest enough Red Bull and chocolate-covered espresso beans to stay up and watch 24 hours of baseball, well, they'll become our new kings and queens. 2. Every town must celebrate. While the Cincinnati Reds are the last team with a home city that goes all out in support of opening day, throwing a parade and essentially giving employees carte blanche to attend the festivities, it is time to get the rest of the country back into the act as well. 
Perhaps in San Francisco, opening day will start with the flying of the Pablo Sandoval balloons, the number of balloons released equal to his reporting weight. Or in Pittsburgh, giant 21-foot robots dressed like Roberto Clemente will wander the streets, dispensing candy and half-off Primanti Brothers sandwich coupons. And in Miami, Cirque du Soleil will wheel themselves through South Beach in a terrifying man-made home run sculpture, a mess of limbs and arms and lights signaling the advent of spring. These are just ideas. Each team and city can come up with their own. 3. Create baseball civic centers. For those without cable television and who don't desire spending a day in a sports bar, cities should establish baseball-focused civic centers. Preferably, these buildings would be open all summer long, baseball education events and traveling museum exhibits set up throughout the year, letting children finally see their dream object, the bat that Craig Council once used. Inside, a bank of TVs or projectors would be set up, a cavalcade of seemingly endless baseball being shown upon them, folding chairs put out for the good of the attendees. Hot dog vendors will assemble outside the grounds, ensuring that the proper amount of nitrates are consumed, and there will be a very loose policy on bringing in outside beverages. Finally, number four, presents. What do the best holidays have in common? Presents, obviously. Everyone loves getting stuff. And because this is a magical day, it's only right if the presents come from a magical creature. Christmas has Santa, Easter has the rabbit, and St. Patrick's Day has the Lucky Charms guy handing out cans of Guinness. But for opening day, I propose that we tell our children that the ghost of old Haas Radborn starts the year by kicking in the front door, spewing tobacco juice, whiskey, and flecks of beef jerky all over the floor as he makes his way through the house. When the kids come downstairs, they'll find their stirrup stockings lovingly placed by the fireplace filled with baseball cards, R.A. Dickey memorabilia, and a tobacco juice-soaked baseball perfect for throwing around. Once the presents have been opened and the traditional hot dog breakfast has been consumed, the family will then huddle together, watching baseball for the next 8 to 27 hours, coming in and out of consciousness as Vin Scully drones on in the background, Cheeto dust and soft drink bubbles floating in the air. Because opening day is about togetherness, and it's about family, and it's about otherwise unexceptional ballplayers hitting three home runs. And we don't need any official holiday to give us that. Michael Clare is a writer based in Los Angeles, California. You can find his work on MLB.com's Cut4, and you can follow him on Twitter, at ClareBearAttack. Coming up, a visit with Larry DeVito. Someone excited for the beginning of the season, but for purely professional reasons. Well, maybe not purely professional. It's coming right up. Completed uh, two of the three phases of getting the field ready. Uh, the way we look at it, the first is just getting the snow off and evaluating the field, seeing where we're at. Uh, second is just getting the grass up and running, running the field heat. And the third phase that we're uh, about halfway through right now is the detail phase, kind of the getting it from uh, playable for a college game to being playable for a major league game. So uh, we that voice you hear belongs to Larry Devito. Larry is a tall guy in good shape with patches of gray hair on his temples. He's dressed up today because he's giving a press conference. Larry is the head groundskeeper at Target Field in Minneapolis. And when you're the head groundskeeper at Target Field, you're a bit of a celebrity at the beginning of the season. Larry is tasked with the unenviable position of making sure a baseball field in Minnesota 
is ready for play in April. Minnesota is just now warming up after a winter that saw 67 inches, that's five and a half feet of snow fall over this past winter. But Larry was ready for it. A combination of a special tarp and heating coils that run under the field make sure that the grass is green and snow free. And in my humble opinion, it looks great. And one thing you kind of see is we'll, we'll make a lap around the field. You'll be able to see the different, the shady side of the field, how it struggles coming out of winter versus the sunny side of the field. Is that we, this is because of the roof of the building. This area kind of is a little behind, and it always is until about April 20th or so. It's all, these ballparks, it's all about building shade is the biggest problem. Yeah. And you can have all the technology and heating you want, but if you don't get sunlight, shape so some of the teams now like Seattle and Milwaukee they have these giant grow lights like they use in England for the soccer stadiums and that kind of helps mitigate the shade after the press conference Larry was nice enough to show me around the ballpark we talked a little about his history he started as a coach way back in the day and anyone who has coached high school knows that field maintenance is part of the game from there, he transitioned to the Red Sox AAA team in Pawtucket, then to the Dodgers, the Nationals, and is now here in Minneapolis. So painting starts next, uh, starts on Saturday. Okay. So is this, I mean, this is a very exciting time for everybody, you know, involved in a baseball team, but it's got to be an exciting time for you to see, see kind of the fruits of your labor. I, I, yeah, and I, I really, even just last night, sitting at home watching the Dodgers and Padres is fun actually watch a real game and, and the games from Australia were incredible what a job those guys did getting those, that place turned yeah. into a baseball field was just just amazing I, I, I was so impressed with that it's a fun job it's a, you know it's physical it's a lot of work a lot of hours for you know seven or eight months a year but it, but it's it's fun and it never gets dull because the weather changes so much it changes how you do, how you do things every day you, you can come in and you know you got to do on a game day a B C and D but from day to day, it, it can often change in terms of the process or the order or the, the, the technique because of, of the elements. So, And there's got to be um, like new technology that comes around all the time that you have to stay up on as well. There is, especially on the grass side. Uh, you know, it is following what the lead from the golf industry, all, most of the research and development goes through golf just because of the, the, the larger industry that it is in terms of grass. Uh, and, and, and it's essentially built, even though it's not bent grass, it's bluegrass, but in terms of the sand and the drainage, it's built like a golf green. So how the plant takes in nutrients and all that and the technology is similar to what, what would happen in golf. So um, that's, you're right, the technology, you got to stay up on it because the job changes. And um, You obviously get the schedule a, a long time ahead of time, you know, so yeah, you know when yeah. it's going to happen. But, I mean, there's got to be a weird kind of dichotomy between the predictability of knowing what you need to do and then the unpredictability of, you know, temperature and precipitation right. and stuff Yeah, like I, that. I think I think last year, opening day, April 1st, cold weather was, was um, you know, we had some damaged grass out in the right field from, from ice. It was kind of discouraging from on the grass side of it. On the dirt side of it and the playability in the infield, I was really happy with what, what we did because we got to a point around March 20th and realized, Hey, you know, we're looking at the forecast last year. The grass isn't going to look 
fantastic on April 1st, and let's just accept it and, and, and focus on uh, the playability for the players and, and, and the footing and the ball bounce, and, and I was really happy with that. And the, the most interesting thing that happened that first series with Detroit last year is the first spring it ever happened is, you know, we had the field heat up to 62 degrees, 60, even 63, 64 at times, and then I would, and air temps were 33, 35, and I'd water the infield dirt, and steam would be coming up, and I'd never seen it. <laughs> I did it for about three or four days, where I'd water the dirt, and then it would steam for about 15 minutes, and then it would calm down. It's pretty cool. So that may happen again later this week, the way things are looking. You mentioned the players. How much, I mean, do you go looking for feedback from them, or do they come to you with feedback whether you like it or not or I mean is there a lot of discussion between you and them uh the the, the less discussion the better be by that I'm not not I'm open to discussion but if there's not a lot of talk that usually mean, means things are pretty good uh the the more discussions come when when things aren't going good and and, and there's you know I think there's a correlation in terms of uh, speed of the infield grass and, and and dimensions of the park and I think that you know if you're in in, in a place like Baltimore or, or Cincinnati, where it's your home runs are a little more prevalent, then then you're going to cut your infield grass a little higher. You gotta you gotta look for some equity for the pitchers, and, and we found the first year or two here is that it's a pretty big outfield, and there's places to get out. So, um, you know that the hitters are you know kind of want the infield a little quicker. Is it excessively fast? No, I don't think so. I mean, you look at how fast some fields play. I mean, certainly Tampa Bay and Toronto play extremely fast with the synthetic turf. And, and uh, you know, your California fields are always going to play a little quicker because it's Bermuda grass. Um, so it's a quick infield, but it's not, I don't, you know, it's no faster than Dodger Stadium ever was when I worked there. So, um, you know, there's that balance. That, that, that was probably the first year or two of the, the biggest part of the discussion um, was, uh, you know, how do we, how do we get some balance in terms of how the ballpark plays? Because from, you know, from that All-Star Game sign to the end of the scoreboard uh, there, just past the M&M thing there, um, that, you know, you could really got to hit it to get it out. I mean, that's a, not only is it far away, but you're 23 feet in height. So it, it's a, it's a, you know, and then there's 411 to the bullpen there. Uh, it's a good-sized park. So you have opening day, which is a big day for you, but you also have the All-Star game coming right. to Target Field, which is kind of, I mean, you're on display then. You know, you're, right, right. When, when that opens, it's the big old, you know, helicopter shot of the field or, yeah, or the blimp know, shot. Uh, is that a little bit of added pressure, or are you just kind of, you know, keeping your head down and, and just doing your doing Well, your thing? I, I think that it is, a, it is added pressure. Um, not so much today. I think about uh, in about a month we'll really start to look at the grass and what, you know, what are we going to do with more seed and what are we going to do with certain areas and, and, and focus on that. I think our goal right now is just get these first nine games in and, and, and you know, not avoid snow outs and rain outs and, and deal. That's, that's priority one. I mean, the, 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 the most important part of the job for me is, is doing what I can to help us get back to the playoffs. And, and the All-Star game is a nice thing, but it's, it's not as important as to me as, as to getting 81 games in and getting – all the games played and getting all played safety and we don't want players getting hurt I mean that's still the most important thing the all-star game is more about event management because there's a lot of events involved with it there's a lot of uh, rehearsals and there's a lot of moving parts so uh, you know day of game will be probably the most pleasant day because it'll just be a baseball game with a 
pregame show, but uh, the days leading up to it are, uh, it's a lot of events and a lot of uh, uh, people from New York coming in telling you what they want to do, and that's how, kind of how all the meetings have been going so far, it's just over and over with, you know, planning and organization and all those types of things. So. Are you oh. glad they didn't put a dome on? Oh, yeah. Right? Everyone always, uh, this time of year, always uh, uh, people always pipe up about how it should be a covered stadium. We, it's just a terrible way to watch baseball. We kind of feel like me and the guys who work for me that you know if they had put a roof on this place, we probably wouldn't have taken our jobs here because you know I had a I had a head groundskeeper job in another major league team. You know, it's not like you know I I, I wasn't looking to leave. I just found this intriguing. And, decided to make the switch uh, but the roof the guys the guys in in, in Milwaukee you know and in, in, in Arizona and Miami and even to Seattle to an extent it, it's a headache because everybody wants to control when it's open and when it's not and you start cutting off sunlight and it, it makes it difficult to manage the grass so I, I I would rather just deal with the elements going up to usually around April 15th and then the rest of the year it's it's pretty good in here, you know. We get we get we get rain like everybody else. You know, we get thunderstorms just like any, just like St. Louis or Cincinnati would or anybody. So, you know, after after mid-April, it's pretty much until late September. It's pretty much like any other park. It may be just like any other park after those first few weeks, but Larry and his team work throughout the off season to make sure that it's just like any other park when the gates open for the first game of the season. That's the rub. And that's where Larry DeVito excels. Larry DeVito is the head groundskeeper for the Minnesota Twins. You can find out more about his work by, well, visiting Target Field, I guess. Trust me, they could use the ticket sales. I usually end this show with the MVP of my heart, but as a slight change of pace, I'd like to turn the reins of the final essay over to Jesse Thorne. Jesse hosts the radio show Bullseye on NPR, which is part of his Maximum Fun Network, a wonderful collection of funny and insightful podcasts that I enjoy immensely. On Bullseye, Jesse brings you the very best from culture in an engaging and exciting way. But he's also a baseball fan. And when the season starts up again, he can't help but get a little excited too. Here's Jesse Thorne. So, I will admit, all of the bad stuff that they say about baseball is true. It's slow and boring. It's sort of yesterday's news. Fat guys are good at it. But that doesn't change how I feel about opening day. Opening day is wide open. It's possibility. Whether your team's the Royals or the Yankees, you're tied for first place. Everybody's in the first division. It's springtime. The weather's warming up. The flowers are blooming. The grass looks gorgeous. There's bunting up everywhere. The ball players are out there on the field doing their stretches. There's a new guy who is hot in spring training. There's an old guy who's still playing his way into shape. 
you're with your family and the people who are from where you're from and love what you love, even if it's just a baseball team, and, and you have this unity of purpose. Because this year could be the year. Okay. Nothing matches that sort of downtown flash of basketball. It's fast and live and beautiful. And I know that football is America's new favorite sport. And look, I love a just really brutal crushing hit from a safety or, or a running back pulling away from the linebackers and headed towards the secondary just as much as anybody. And honestly, all that stuff about baseball being the strategy game is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, double switches can be a little bit tricky, but they're nothing compared to the read option. But here's the thing. Baseball isn't about a crushing, brutal Sunday afternoon and tending your wounds for a week or a fourth quarter push on a Friday night. Baseball's a companion. Baseball's there for you every day. Win or lose, there's another game tomorrow, another chance to sit down with your dad or your daughter and celebrate what you share. When I feel lousy, I know I can take off my shoes, turn on the TV, and the Giants will be there for me. Or if the Giants have an off day, the A's will fill in. When it's late in the season and your team's in fourth place, 10 games under 500, and it's starting to get cold and the shadows are long, baseball can be a little bit melancholy. But right now, opening day... This could be the year. We could win it all together. It doesn't get any better than that. That's my outshot. Jesse Thorne is the host of the NPR show Bullseye. I implore you to go to MaximumFun.org and check out that show, along with the other wonderful shows that are part of the Maximum Fun Network. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jesse Thorne. Let's go! Batter up! We're taking the afternoon off! It's a beautiful day for a ball game! For a ball game today! Stealing Home is written, produced, and scored by me, David Temple, and brought to you by the Hardball Times. Go to thehardballtimes.com for more information on this show and to read some wonderful baseball writing. You can like this show on Facebook via facebook.com slash stealinghomeradio, and you can follow me on Twitter at David G. Temple. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. That's it for now. We'll see you next time on Stealing Home. <laughs>